So it was just such a great time. So what we're going to do is, guys, just a minute or two, give your testimony, pass on the mic. But I just know you're going to be encouraged by what God um, has spoken to our youth during this past weekend. So for starters, I want to, like, thank the dance team from the dance team and Pastor Mike for giving um, me, Lydia, and the Tati and TT the opportunity to just dance in front of everybody because I feel like it was a great way to just ca cap off the night. And, like, I'm really grateful for the opportunity. <laughs> and um, one thing that really hit me was, like, when Pastor Gray, um, Pastor Daniel Gray was talking about um, what's, like, holding you back from giving God your all. Because, like, when he said that, I was really reflecting on it. And, like, I know, like, doubt and, like, other, like, negative thoughts were, like, clouding my, like, vision. So it's, like, the things that, like, God has had for me, I really couldn't see it because of, like, the negative things I was thinking of. And then one thing was, um, um, Pastor Mike was talking about how, like, kids in Africa didn't have clean water. And, like, I was just really, like, thinking about, like, okay, when I, like, get a job in the summer, like, what do I want to do with it? How am I going to manage my money? And I definitely know, like, it's definitely a hard tax, but task. <laughs> but the first check, I definitely want to give that out to, like, kids in Africa for water and stuff. So <laughs> that's something that God was definitely um, pushing me to do. And then... um I feel like the community was really raw and, like, the kids were very open to, like, um, talking to other people. And, like, I met a lot of, like, people from the winter retreat from when we did our dance and, like, new people also. So that was one thing. And then um, lastly, I do want to, like, encourage, like, parents to bring their kids out to YouthCon because I feel like it's an experience like no other. And you'll definitely, like, gain a new perspective and you'll learn things. And I, I know money could be an issue, too. But, like, you will definitely, like, I'm really pleading. You're not going to regret it. So, like, I definitely think that parents should bring their kids out to that event. Um, I just wanted to say, before attending YouthCon, I really felt disconnected from not only my family but God. My grades started to drop. I felt like I needed some type of change, but I didn't know, like, where to start. I was just in a bad place overall. And I actually didn't even plan on going. Like, the day of, I was thinking of excuses to stay home. <laughs> but... I ended up giving it a chance and really allowed myself to fully scope everything out before judging it, and gladly I did because that the atmosphere was really positive and enlightening, and it also gave me a chance to bond more with the youth in my group. And during the experience, I felt like some type of switch in my body turned on, and like it boosted my spirit tremendously, giving me the motivation I haven't felt in a while. But overall, I just feel like it was something worth sharing because it really inspired me, and I believe it's a sign of like change I've been waiting for. Nice. So for me, proud of YouthCon. I don't think I really took like the speed the light thing like as serious. I know in the winter retreat they're stressing like giving, um, put in the bottle during worship team or worship, just go up and put money in there. But I was like, I need my money for me. So um, I feel like YouthCon really was like a change mentality for me because um, the guy was just like, you know, he was giving his sermon. I thought he was like going to spiel, like convicting all of us to give money. I was like, oh, he's gonna have us guilt trip us into giving money. But um, like I don't know, but like he was saying like I'm giving five hundred dollars. I want to be a catalyst, and he was saying like um. I forget what he's saying, but he's saying, like, um, it's, like, you shouldn't, where you live shouldn't be, what was it, like? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, right, 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 sorry. Where you live shouldn't be if you live. So I feel like after that, it really, like, changed me, and he was saying, like, I don't want to give, but I have to give. I want to save my money for the surgery, because he had a broken leg, and he was going for surgery, but he was like, I have to give the money. So that really gave me, like, a change of heart to give, like, money. And, um, like, they're passing things around. I took out my wallet. I was like, let me see how much I can give. So I gave my money. I gave my $20. That was my lunch money. So um, <laughs> I knew, like, I had to do something to, like, help all kids in Africa because, like, I'm, I'm from there. So, like, I feel a sense of duty, you know? 
So I'm going into, um, <laughs> thank you guys. So moving forward, I really feel like I want to give him more money so we can raise a second water well, because he said we raised 50000 so we, we can do it again. It's only March, so we got time. So. <laughs> um, I was definitely encouraged by, like, the speed of light thing, because um, I remember passing um, Micah. He was talking about, like, when last did it hurt to give, and, like, that's something that was really true, because, like, a lot of times we like to stay comfortable, especially, like, being in America. So, like, I really felt like it was valid to give. And, like, um, he was talking about, like, with, um, excuse me, he was talking about with serving, right? Like, um, like first it was going to be, like, a sacrifice and also not making, like, a have-to type of thing. And it was just a thing that you really want to do. And, like, it just helped me to, like, evaluate my heart and, like, you know. Um, and he was also talking about, excuse me, sorry. Um, he was also talking about, like, when, um, when you serve, like, it's not going to make sense to you, but it's going to make sense to God. And, like, that really, like, pushed me because a lot of times, like, when we do stuff, it's sort of, like, it's, like, a logical thing. It doesn't, like, make sense to do it. And, like, that's normally what we're supposed to do. But, like, I feel like when it comes to, like, faith, you really got to just, you're not going to understand it. And that's, like, the point because you got to trust God. So, like, it really, like, helped me evaluate myself that when I'm in a situation, if it makes sense to me, I probably got to push harder. I got to try harder because, like, in this in this time, especially now, like, I just really want to um, carry that out. So, and that encouraged me to just bring something back here. Also, like, to change the way that we worship. Because um, especially, like, as a youth group, we love to get hype. But a lot of times, like, it's not, like, just true worship, you know. So, like, um, it was just encouraging me that, like, worship isn't, it's not about, like, the lights. And it's not about, like, all the music and stuff. It's really just about, like, the spirit and the heart of worship. So that's what I learned. Um, so for me, um with these events, it's like we tend to focus on what's the message, what's the worship, but I feel like the encounters are also, like, very important to us. And um, Mercy can also testify to this, but we were about to go on for our opener, and we were in the stall, and um, this woman, she was in there, she just, she just stared at me, and um, she said, you're a queen. <laughs> And it, like, I was struggling with, like, my image and my place in life. And when she said that, I was like, this is the second time someone said this to me. And she said, your presence, I feel it. And it's so powerful. It's so this. And, and she kept telling me, and she kept looking at me, and she was like, yeah, I feel it. And later on, I remembered that at the winter retreat, the woman who prayed over me said the same exact thing. She said, you're a queen, and I feel your presence, that God has something good for you. And um, I, I noticed it, and then she came by, and I saw her, and she kept staring at me. <laughs> and um, she, said, she said, you know how I remember you? When you got on that stage, it clicked in my head that you were the girl that I prayed for at Winter Retreat. <laughs> and I felt, I felt so, like, before I was telling Mercy, I was like, I can't do this. Like, I don't feel good. Like, this is not going to work. 1500 people I can't do this like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna mess up this is not it and it was like when I heard that like my energy just rose up like God gave me something that just like gave me a fire and it was it was so good and I just like pray that you just really talk to these people because they have like something for you like even if it's not the message the people there they they have they have something for you and I just pray that you know you give these kids the opportunity to experience this so Amen. Thank you guys for sharing. And Tara, you can come up. 
quick, just to, um, I do want to honor our leaders too, um, David and Rosita, um, Hannah, Nettie, Ramsey, and Gabby. They came this past weekend and just gave of their time, and um, it's a sacrifice, but they love our church, they love our students, and, and, and again, honor our senior pastors. You know, there would, wouldn't be growth in this ministry if it wasn't for them pouring into us and, and just taking the time to meet with us and, and make us better at what we do, and, and so we just want to honor all of our leaders, and I'll have Tara share as we close. So when I was thinking about what I wanted to share, you know, you heard about the speed, the light, you heard about the dance, and everything was amazing. The whole weekend was amazing. But I wanted to just share about my husband because, like, this weekend wouldn't have been as good as it was without him. Um, he spent... And I get to see the, the other side that not everyone sees. I get to see the hours, the detail. The detail that he puts into everything that he does is, is over the top amazing. And so every detail of the conference, he made it easy for us as leaders to just come and, and do what we did. It made it easy. We, the hotel staff literally said to us, I wish all of my guests were like you. He made a spreadsheet for the hotel staff with all the confirmation numbers, like every detail. He brought the band to the, to the airport. He had waters for the band members, like everything that you just wouldn't think of, he did it. And so it was a great weekend with all the hype and all the stuff, but the behind the scenes stuff and the hours of work, he does it because he loves these kids and he loves Jesus. So good job, babe. Thank you, and I just, I have to give credit to God just since Tara and I moved here, just working here in the office and learning from Pastor Richard, Pastor Lisa, Pastor Maureen, Janice, just how to be a better worker, how to, to give your all, how to be, I know I am very detail-oriented, most of the time it's over the top and not in a good way, um, but once in a while, once in a while I learn how to, to manage it, but I just give credit to God, and we're, I'm just so excited with what God's doing in our church, amen? Amen. amen. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. That's, that is a tough, uh, I don't want to say act because it's not an act. <laughs> That's tough to follow. That was awesome. And um, thank God for his, his goodness and his faithfulness and the youth ministry. And it is so critical. And we want to thank God for, for just blessing the youth. And, and that's why we are expanding the youth, uh, the youth room. Uh, right now, the youth are running 25, uh, and with the youth leaders, over 30 on Wednesday nights. So our youth expansion will give them a capacity to grow to over 100 youth. And so we are working on the details with the, the city permits contractor, and we're getting close to getting our permits. So we'll keep you posted. You'll hear more about it in the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, what we want to do... Uh, is just take a few moments. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna. I'm gonna ask Dr. Kwame if he would come. Uh, I'd like Dr. Kwame to just take a few moments uh, to just share on a practical aspect dealing with the Corona virus. If he would come, Dr. Kwame is has been a doctor for close to 30 years, and he is a head of a medical department at Miriam Hospital. Would you just come, and I, I asked him to just share uh, a little bit from a medical perspective, 
And then I'm going to uh, share a very brief message. If you're worrying about the time, it's only a quarter past ten. But uh, I'm going to ask him to share, and then I'm going to share from the Word of God just a brief exhortation and call us to prayer. Because the most important thing, God's people are not to live in fear, they're to live in faith. But there is a practical aspect of life that God calls us to have wisdom. So Dr. Kwame, I appreciate you sharing with us today. Good morning, church. It was exciting to hear from Pastor Mike and from the youth about what happened over the weekend. And um, sad to say that in other, if at least two other countries, you cannot have a garden of such people um, to experience God the way um, these people did. Um, last weekend, for example, 200 churches did not meet in South Korea because of concerns about the virus. And rightly so. Um, the story in South Korea is quite sad because one of the churches, it's not really a church, it's more like a cult, uh, but the members have been implicated in causing about 80% of the cases in Seoul because some of the members went over to China and they got back and the church didn't want to give out the names of the people who were in the church and it's a whole, it's a whole big mess. Um, but, and Pasquale should know by now that about the whole northern part of Italy is, is, is in quarantine. So about 60 million people cannot go anywhere. They cannot move in. Last week, I was telling Mike that he's not going to Italy. Um, uh, because if you come back, we'll have to keep you away for two weeks. Um, anyway, so there's so much concern going on. And I think that we need to have a better approach to it. You know, you can be OCD and not and hide in your room and not come to church. I don't think that's what God wants. On the other hand, you can be so cavalier that you become, you become like an epicenter, and we don't want that either. Um, so far, I think in this state, things have gone on well, and I'll go through um, this um, briefly. Um, you know, I love Hosea because, you know, ignorance is what kills the body of Christ, because sometimes we take things to extremes. And, and if you read that, that, that piece of scripture, it actually refers to, um, to, to, to the priests and the prophets, um, that because they did not desire knowledge, the people got destroyed. Um, and we are the royal priesthood. So we need to know more because people will come to us asking us what we think. Um, and we should have the right information for these people. So I'll quickly talk about the virus. You can go to the next slide, please. Um, so everybody's worried about corona. And it's interesting because we, this is not a new virus. We've, I mean, we've had people at the hospital with corona. Actually, we had a lady with corona two days ago. Uh, but we have to tell them now that it's not the corona, you know, because everybody's worried about, about the virus. Um, and just as we all have family members, and sometimes a few people uh, may act out of character. Um, so this virus that we are dealing with is not supposed to affect humans. This has been, it's been known by the vets for years. And for some reason, decided to cross over uh, and affect humans, you know, sort of acting out of character. Um, so it's like, what is, you know, my distant cousin doing? Um, but we've known corona for, for years. This is not new. Um, uh, we had the SARS that we dealt with, uh, for those who remember. We had the mess curve didn't cause too much trouble. It was more from the Middle East. It didn't last that long. Uh, we got all concerned about it, but in about a year, it wasn't a big issue. So we sort of forgot all about it. Now, the two last points. Um, there are some people who believe that the Chinese manufactured this as a weapon. It's not true. Really, it's not true. Um, there, was, there was a guy of Asian descent who was assaulted in London because some people really believe that. Um, it's not true. It's not a biological weapon. Um, 
because if it was, you, you can map it out. You can know that it's the same, it's the same variant. Uh, and it's not something that affects only those with Asian descent. You know, the mayor of Boston was pleading two weeks ago that people should go to Chinatown and eat uh, because the whole place has been deserted. So it's not like if I ran into Chi, I should run away. It is, this has nothing to do with that. Um, okay. Uh, next slide, please. So this is the picture that you see for the most part. And the reason why we point out that this, this, this virus is interesting. Um, and the concern is because it's difficult to distinguish this from the common code. You know, you start with nasal congestion and all that. But those, those spikes on it are what stick to the lower part of the lungs. You know, that's what causes the pneumonia. So it's not like a common code. If I just have a common code, that's, that's, don't think you have, don't call the Department of Health. Um, you really become short of breath and you have a pneumonia, and that's really what causes it. Um, next slide, please. So it's a, it's a respiratory illness. Uh, it's a respiratory illness. Viruses like different things. You know, people with measles have a skin infection. There are some that affect the nerves. This gets into their lungs. The incubation period, meaning that when you come into contact with the virus and when you get ill, it's about four to seven days. We push it to 14 because there are few people who start, you know, who end up late. And that's why you hear 10 to 14 days of being in isolation. But most people by, by day five, you know, are ill in, in one shape or form. Um, for now, it's human to human. How it crossed from the animal world to human is a whole discussion that I don't want to get into. Um, now, the big concern is that people think that I have corona and I'm going to die. Um, that's not true. About 80% of people have corona and are fine. They could be a Dunkin' Donuts so you don't even know that they have corona. Um, so, 80, 80 to 85% of people are okay and will be okay. 5% of people are the ones who get ill. And these 5% of people are people who have chronic lung disease or maybe um, you know, have, God forbid, they have cancer and they're on chemo medications. Or now we lose so many biologic medications for lots of conditions, colitis, Crohn's, um, psoriasis, and all that. So people on those medications are prone to developing a severe form of this illness. But I don't think that if someone has corona, uh, that's the end of them. Actually, we have three cases now in this state. Um, one of the cases was not even admitted. Patient was seen, she was a drive-through, seen at Rhode Island, we got a specimen, and then we, she was sent home. You know, because getting the person in the hospital is just gonna make more people ill. And you hear more about this, the whole thing about the case fatality rates, it varies. In Korea, for example, where they've done a lot of work, it's less than 1%. You know, so if you test more people, then you get a good sense of what's going on. We don't have a good sense of what the fatality rate is because we are not testing enough people. It's for me to say that, okay, how many people here have hypertension and only decide to deal with this portion and use the number for this portion to say that the incidence of hypertension in this church is 10% because I'm only dealing with this portion without accounting for everyone else here. You know, so I think that the fatality rate is really less than what we are projecting now. Although, as of now, it's supposed to be in the, in the around 3%. Um, the whole world got concerned because in China, they were not testing enough people. So when the death rates came up, in proportion to those who had been tested, the rate was much higher. And that's what got all of us concerned. Uh, I've thought about those who are at risk of developing the infection. There's some talk about the, uh, the weather, um, that you know, if you're in the warm weather, you're not gonna get it, let's wait for summer. We don't know too much about that. Um, people thought that because we don't have too many cases in 
in Africa. That's why, you know, that could be a, a good idea to think that the weather has a role. Nobody knows. I mean, there have been cases in Togo. There are cases in the upper part of Africa. So, and there's a case, I think, in South Africa, too. Um, so the weather is, I'll get into some of the myths as we go along. Next slide, please. Um, so the risk here is low. There are only three cases so far. The two cases um, uh, related to the trip to Italy, Italy that none of us know about. Because of HIPAA, I can't go into too much details about, about the cases. 81%, um, 14 days upper limit. So transmission. You hear about a lot of schools that have come up with programs. Roger Williams has canceled all international programs. Brown has canceled travel. Um, lifespan is cancelled, international travel, unless really necessary. There's some talk about limit, limiting domestic travel also. It's all because of the six feet. You know, if you are close in contact with someone who has the infection, that's, that you have a higher chance of picking it up. Um, and that's why there's all this concern about limiting travel uh, for, for people who um, could be at high risk. You know, I think the Roger Williams story, they had patients, people who were supposed to be in Italy, and that's why they had to call them back. Um, but six feet is the magic number. And it also, you know, the, I'll get into how to prevent um, the, the, the spread. Next slide, please. Uh, so we go back to personal hygiene. And the things that we you know, our parents taught us when we were kids. You know, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands, use sanitizers. Um, if you cough, tissue. Uh, we don't want people to use too much of the handkerchief because if you're not careful, you just go up and keep it infected yourself if you're infected. Buy some tissue and then discard it. I just saw this, this on BBC this morning. It was interesting. I didn't know that garlic was back. Garlic is ubiquitous. You know, garlic was mentioned with Ebola, and people are thinking garlic does, it has some health effects, but it doesn't kill corona. Um, that's right. I mean, if you like garlic, go ahead and do it. But don't eat garlic and go to northern part of Italy and think you are immune to, 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 to corona. There's this miracle mineral solution, um, which has been talked about. It doesn't do much. I just read about this colloidal silver, which apparently was mentioned on a TV show of a televangelist who remained nameless. Um, no one should be drinking silver. Um, you'll kill your kidneys and you'll, you'll, you'll create more problems. So um, that's not true. And then I hear some people are not eating ice cream anymore because they think that the virus lies cold. So, you know, everything should be hot. Um, in terms of the temperature issues, we don't have details. Um, because what you eat doesn't affect your body temperature, actually. You know, so eating something hot doesn't increase your body temperature. If the virus is there, it's already there. So, it's not, you're not going to, so you can eat all the ice cream you want. It's not going to, it's not, it has nothing to do with the virus. There are lots of people um, making money off the hand sanitizers. Whichever you get should be at least 60% alcohol. You know, there are some homemade ones that are 40%, maybe made out of vodka. They're not going to help you. Um, so, so get the real stuff. And lastly, there's been talk about if you, if, if, if you think you have the virus, drink lots of water. Water is good but drinking too much water is not going to be the solution. Uh, I, I don't want people who have, who, are, who have heart issues to think that they have to drink water every you know, two hours. Uh, but these are, these are some of the things out there that people are, people are talking about. 
the key thing is for us to, if you know that you've come into contact with someone who is under investigation, you should let the leadership of the church know. Um, that's, that's critical. You don't want to become a source of, 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 of a spread like it happened in South Korea. That's not a testimony that we want to have. Um, and, 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 and if you have someone who's come from any of the key areas, there are five main countries that, the, that, that we are all worried about. You know, one in China, uh, Iran, uh, Seoul, South Korea, uh, Japan has been added, and Italy. These are the five countries that we are worried about. But actually, it's moved beyond international travel because if someone just came from Seattle, I'll be worried, you know, because it's the epicenter now in this country. So we should not be ignorant. We should have a sense of what's going on. And if someone is from that area and comes over, uh, people should self-quarantine if they want to. Um, but don't bring your cousin who just came from Seattle and say, hello, pastor, See, meet my cousin. Uh, that, that will not be wise. Um, so, so we should know some of these things and know what steps to take. If, you, if, you have, if, if, if you've come into contact with someone who's under investigation, sure, then you should, you should take steps. Uh, that person should not be in church. Um, Self-quarantine, and then, and, then, and then we can take the steps that we have to take. Um, Mask, I don't know. It's just, it's just it, the mask don't do anything for anyone who is not sick. I'll have to wear a mask if I'm ill. Debbie will have to wear a mask if she feels unwell. And the same applies to Ruth and other, some of the other healthy people around. But you don't need to wear a mask and preach to us. Uh, uh, you know, so, so, so people are making money off that. You can't get masks on Amazon and all those places. And I think it will be like the Y2K. We'll look back and we'll all laugh about you know, all the hysteria. There's some degree of truth, but I think it's been overblown to a large extent. If you hear the term that someone is a PUI, that means the person is, the person is under investigation, meaning that they've come into contact with someone who has the virus and is being, has been quarantined and they're being investigated. So if you happen to be, I don't think it applies to any one of us, but the last case involves someone who teaches at a school somewhere in Pawtucket. You know, so those are the things that you hear about. Um, New York is getting messy now because um, they have over 80 cases and it's got into the healthcare system. It's the same in Connecticut, there's a nurse involved. And over the next few days, you'll hear more within the state about steps that we are taking because we want to keep this number where it is. We want to keep it low. Um, and so you hear about hospitals limiting um, visiting hours and number of visitors and all that. Um, Essentially because we don't want the health workers to get into trouble. Because if we, get, if we have to get quarantined for weeks, that that that'll be, that'll be chaotic. I already have two people who I have to call about when after the service because they just got back from, one from, back from Austria, one from Guatemala, and I'm not sure that they'll allow them to work tomorrow. You know, so these are, that's why you hear us being over the top because we want to make sure that the key frontline people are working and are available to work. Um, but... It's basic hygiene, basically. Um, and as with everything else, we have some effects. Effects of, of, of there are physical effects that we should know about. There are emotional effects. You know, there's fear. And fear really has to you know, reap torment. And if you come in and the greeters decide not to greet and they, just, they smile at you, that's okay. Um, don't, don't get offended. Um, and if someone decides not to shake you, don't criticize the person and say they don't have faith. You know, each according to the proportion of their faith. Um, so if, you know, someone will take a smile, someone will do an elbow, someone will do, um, someone will be what the Indians do, you know, and do that. Um, and did you hear about your, pre your president? 
the foot one? Yeah. So in Tanzania, they are doing the foot. Um, so the foot shake. According to your faith, you know, do whatever works for you. But I think that we all have to be wise. We should have enough sanitizers around, um, you know, the, uh, the, at, the, at, the, at the cafe and all that. And we should all volunteer to come in and help. Um, because especially on Wednesdays and Sundays when we have more people, we need to clean more often. You know, I don't, I'm not sure about the number of people who are here during the week, I mean, Mondays and Tuesdays. We can still do, where's Kelly? Kelly will need some support. Um, you know, we can still do, instead of once, we have to do maybe three times a day, but on, on Wednesdays and Sundays, we should do more than that. Um, so, so that's where I think we need some support. But um, I think that's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you, doctor. Thank you so much. I appreciate Dr. Kwame because not only is he a medical professional of high standard, but he is a man of God, a man of prayer and fasting. He knows God. He's a, he's a godly man, so we're blessed to have him. Um, and, you know, there are some practical things. Do you know this is your third hand? And how many of us wash our third hand? Think about it. This is a carrier of germs. Um, and my wife, what is that homemade um, solution? Just sanitize your phone on a regular basis because think of how much we touch this. And some of us won't admit it, but we, we touch it in the bathroom. <laughs> and, and do we clean it? So wash your hands, wash all of your hands, your third hand. Um, and as, as was stated, I just want to reiterate, um, if you have any family friends that travel from overseas, please do not allow, don't have them come to church for two weeks. So they could have sort of be on a, a self-quarantine basis. Um, as was stated, if there's anyone that would like to volunteer to come in during the week to give extra cleaning to nursery toys, to the cafe, to bathrooms, please see any one of our staff. Uh, we would definitely give you a slot of time. If you could also bring in some um, hand sanitizers. I heard they're getting pretty expensive. Um, so we could have some extra ones around. That would be great. And uh, so, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Wasn't that good and practical to have? Um, you say, should we be doing this on a Sunday morning? Yes, we should. This is very practical and helpful. It's called wisdom. And the Bible says, get, get wisdom. Amen. Wisdom is the principal thing. Okay, I'm going to just take a couple of moments. If you'd open up your Bibles, I want to just share a scripture. Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles chapter 7. Second Chronicles chapter 7, this is, this is a uh, verse of scripture in the context of uh, the dedication of Solomon's temple, the first temple that was erected in God's plan and purpose to house the very presence of God in the holy of holy place. And this is God speaking. One verse of scripture, um, you're very familiar with it, most of you. And this is God speaking. If my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. This is God Almighty speaking 
And he's setting forth the conditions that would bring about a healing and a restoration amongst the people of God in the land of Canaan. If you would look at verse 13, God says, When I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name. And there's that verse. God is saying there are conditions for a healing of a land. There are conditions for revival. There are conditions for restoration that are so critical. And we need to be praying strategically this morning because I believe that the scriptures are very clear. It is not Washington's responsibility. It's not, it's not any, any government's responsibilities, but it's the church's responsibilities to pray. It's the church's responsibility. And in this context, God is laying the, the burden uh, and, and the weight of responsibility at the church's doorstep to tell us to say that if my people, if my people who are called by my name, and that right there tells us a lot, my people called by my name is talking about the covenant relationship that we have. We have a Bible that has an old covenant and a new covenant. The Old Testament, the New Testament. The Old Covenant God made with the Jewish nation. The New Covenant is the New Testament where Jesus made a new covenant and we celebrated the last Sunday communion. He said this cup is the cup of the New Covenant. And Jesus made a covenant with us through his blood that is more binding than any man-made contract or covenant. And you and I are the people of God called by his name. So turn to the person next to you say, you're very strategic. Come on, say it like you mean it. You are very strategic. We have entered into, we have entered into a special relationship with God, Almighty. I'm not talking about a God. I'm talking about the God. I'm talking about the God of you, the universe, the God of all creation who sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross. And we have entered into a special relationship covenant relationship with God through Christ. So we are the people of God. We're called by his name. And the Bible says if they would humble themselves. This is a heart attitude of those who pray and seek God. Do you know that we are called to humility? We live in a world of pride and arrogance and hubris. And, and we as the people of God are called to humility, to humble ourselves. And you know, prayer is really a posture of dependence. You see, when you humble yourself, you are putting yourself under, under the authority of God. And it's an idea of dependency. It's the realization or the recognition that without him, we can do nothing. Lord, do we need to hear that in the day and age we live in. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 5, without me, you can do nothing. Well, you say, well, I've done a lot. I've accomplished a lot. But you know what the Bible's saying? Without God, we can do nothing of eternal value and eternal uh, proportion. We need God. Prayer, in essence, is an admission of our weakness and our need. Proud people say, I don't need to pray. Proud people might even talk about prayer, but not actually practice prayer. But, but humble people say, I am not self-sufficient. I need God, and I humble myself. James 4, 6 says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. 1 Peter chapter 5 says, 
Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due season. James chapter 4, verse 10 says, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. It says, If we would, my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face. Listen, this morning, we have to seek God not for his hand but his face. Seeking God's hand is what he can do for us. But there comes a time when we mature from that, mature in in our spiritual life to where we seek God, not just what he does for us, but because we want intimacy, we want his presence. See, this is seeking God. It's more than thank you for these gifts that we're about to receive. Hello? It's more than I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Hello? It's a little bit more than that. It's about seeking after God. It is a hard attitude that is desperate, passionate, and determined to connect with God. Let me tell you, I believe that the day and age we're living in, and I don't mean to be a doomsday prophet or a doomsday preacher, but I believe that we are getting close to the end times. And Jesus said, the closer we get, there are going to be greater and more intense birth pains. Things are going to get more difficult. And you know what? It is going to cause us to have to pray. You're not going to be so smug. You're not going to be so secure. But when you see things begin to happen, and we live in a world and they want to get all traumatized and all fearful about things, about the coronavirus. But what if we sought God? What if we said, God, heal our land? God, maybe we ought to pray. The Bible says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, and turn from their evil ways. God have mercy. God help us. Please, you got to help me. We have to stand firm as the people of God and declare in a sin-sick world that there are such a, there is something that is evil. Or there are evil ways. You know, Jesus said that there's a road that's narrow and there's a broad road. There's a road that leads to eternity. There's a road that leads to destruction. There is a right way and there is a wrong way. There is a way to heaven and there's a way to hell. There is no two, there are no multiple choice here. There's either two ways. And we live in a culture where we don't talk about sin or sin is not acknowledged anymore. And we've been so desensitized and worn down. You know, someone once said, you know, here's, here's the standard of the church and, and here's where the world is. And so, you know, we've stayed above. But you know what the problem is? The world has gone so low, and we've gone down with it. So we've maintained a little bit above the world, but we don't realize what our grandparents thought was sin and ungodly 50 years ago. Christians today think it's okay. If my people, this is the heart of God, this is the plea of God. If my people called by my name, we're called by the name of God. We're in covenant relationship with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. If my people called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. That means we all have to repent. 
from the preacher to the pew, from the pulpit to the pew, all of us, from the center to the circumference. There are things in our life, and it's not just about the outward sin. It's about the sin of the heart. It's not about just committing adultery. It's about lusting after a woman. It's not about just stealing, but it's about having covetousness in our heart. It's not about just murdering somebody physically. It's murdering them with our words. Come on, sometimes there's no, you know, I, I like T.D. Jakes when he said, there's no nasty like church nasty. And what he meant was when you get in a, in a struggle with some church people, they can be so spiritual, but let me tell you, they'll cut you up. I remember Dr. Hero used to say about some spiritual people, oh, they're very spiritual, very spiritual in the church, but don't cross them. God, help us. We need to repent. We need to ask God to forgive us. We need to, to, to put our pride down and say, not point the finger at anybody, but say, oh, Lord, it's me. It's me in the need of prayer. It's not my spouse. It's not the pastor. It's not this one. It's that one. I take responsibility. And you know when you do? You know when you do? There's conditions. If my people, and then God said, then, then, then I will hear from heaven. I want God to hear from heaven. And I want God to forgive my sin. And I want God to heal our land. We need our land to be healed. Our land right now is the good old U.S. of A. And it's not going to be Trump. It's not going to be Biden that brings in revival. It's going to be the people of God who get on their face, get on their knees, and cry out to God and humble themselves and repent of their sin. So would you stand together with me this morning. Come on, people of God. We don't know what else is going to happen in this world. You know, in, 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 in the early church, and, and they were persecuted. They weren't worrying about, about a lot of things in the gospel. They were suffering. They were in prison. They lost their jobs. All they did was they were passionate about, about Christian, about spreading the gospel and, and, and living for Christ. And so this morning, I want to call you. Come, let's come to the altars this morning. Come on, people of God. Maybe the Holy Spirit's been dealing with you, and you've got you've to humble yourself. There's been pride. You've been self-sufficient. But this morning, you say, Lord, I humble myself. Come on, maybe there's some of you, you've been living. You haven't been living right yet half-stepping and you're making excuses. You say, well, everybody's doing it. Not everybody's doing it. That's a lie. There are people who are trying to live holy, trying to live godly. They're trying to live right. And come on, we might fall. We might fail. We all make mistakes. We all sin, but we need to repent. We need to ask God, God, forgive me. God, I, I, I've had wrong motives. God, I've done wrong. But today, this morning, we humble ourselves and we seek the face of God. And then we have a great promise. Then I will hear from heaven. Amen. Come on. We want God to hear from heaven. We want God to, to heal our land. We need to see healing in our communities. This world is sin sick and it's suffering the consequences of its sin and all of the devastation of broken homes, broken families, crime, drug addiction, all kinds of evil, racism, all kinds of, uh, uh, of evil and immorality with people abusing women, all kinds of sick things going going on. But come on, God wants to heal our land. Come on, people of victory. Let's lead the way. Let's cry out to God. Come on, God's doing something. We're going to see revival. We're going to see a move of God. We're going to see God work. But we cry out to God. Come on, lift your voice all over this place. Come on, begin to pray. Come on, begin to pray. Begin to cry out. Lord, I humble myself. Lord, forgive me. 
Oh, Lord, I come to you. I turn to you with all my heart. Come on, repentance is turning away from sin and turning to righteousness. Come on, we turn to God this morning. Come on, we humble ourselves. We seek God. We say, God, heal our land. God, we pray you'd raise up a deliverance from this disease, this, this virus, Lord. We pray for wisdom for doctors, Lord. We pray for protection for our family. We pray the blood of Jesus to cover us today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, God, we praise you. God, we praise you. Hear, Lord. Forgive, Lord. Heal, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, just take a few moments. There'll be no official dismissal this morning, but you pray as long as you feel. Maybe you pray with your spouse. Maybe you pray with a friend. Maybe you lay your, your, your hand lightly upon someone's shoulder. Come on, people of God. We just want to close this service in prayer. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, God, we praise you. God, we humble ourselves. We need you. Come on, cry out to God. Come on, I'm desperate. I need God. This church needs a move of God. Oh, come on, desperation is, is that point where God works. When we humble ourselves, God will revive us. God will heal our land. God will transform us.